This week on the show, we are joined by Brooklyn power pop band Jobber, Kate Meisner on vocals and guitar, Mike Falcone on drums and vocals. They have a new EP entitled How in a Cell. It is out this Friday from Exploding and Sound Records. We'll talk to them about the band, about wrestling, and about entrance themes, something that musicians know very well. My name is Harley R. Paget. Her name is Emily Fear. This is Grit and Glitter. highlight we got to speak to Jaime Hernandez and just like as huge Love and Rockets fans we were like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us oh wow that's amazing Speedy Ortiz <laughs> indeed yeah yeah that definitely was the highlights but it's always great to talk to people who are interested in wrestling and who are using that in, an, in that like focus in an interesting way because you know for a long time I feel like pro wrestling was associated with pro wrestling and like maybe like comics about that world um, a little bit of pop culture references to it, but not really like, you know, you don't you don't associate pro wrestling and punk music that often. So or pro wrestling and anything that's like out of the mainstream culture. Anything other than Flo Rida and Limp Bizkit. I know. <laughs> What's it. interesting now is that, well, it was cool when Ruby Soho like rolled up to AEW True. with like a rancid in tow and like did the whole like rancid performing. Um, during her entrance i thought that was really cool but it's funny because i feel like there's so much crossover between music fandom and like wrestling fandom like for example my friend uh worked on warp tour for the summer and said that every monday all of these bands and crew members would get together and watch raw <laughs> it was this was pre-aew um era and so everyone would get together and like watch Raw and like the musicians were really into it. And a lot of musicians and wrestlers end up becoming friends because there's so many parallels between like the lifestyles of a musician and the lifestyle of a wrestler um, that I just heard that I think it was the singer of Taking Back Sunday became really good friends with Seth Rollins over like the shared connection of um, <laughs> Like having to drive all night from show to show, I thought that was interesting. That was that was their point of connection. Yeah, was talking about how exhausted they were. Yeah, talking about how <laughs> their jobs like hurt their bodies and their souls. <laughs> I I can easily see like Seth and Becky coming out to like your lipstick his collar. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a famous example now among it was among like independent wrestling where um. Uh, Nate Spider, like he came out to Teenage Dirtbag for two decades now, and eventually the guy from Weedus, the main singer, the lead singer of Weedus, kind of trained to become a wrestler so they could do a couple of like basically exhibition like uh. tag matches together. But yeah, so like that song always gets played when he enters, and to the point where like I went to see him during WrestleMania weekend at some GCW produced show. 
and they had like a live performance of it. The weirdest guy was, was that in, in Queens. Like a scramble match. Oh no, we were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were there. It wasn't in Queens. This was the Jersey City shows. Were you guys oh, there? Okay. At the, okay, okay. The we were not at the Jersey City one. We were one at I think it's called like the Boom 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 was, Lounge or something in Queens. And lost in New York. Joey Janela was lost. Joey in New York. Janela yeah. lost in New York, and um. I didn't have that context at the time of like why we just was performing. Yeah, there's a there's a lot more things I understand about MJF now, and it makes total sense that we just was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's like there are some crossovers, especially now. Um, and your point about like the music scene and wrestling scene, especially the independent wrestling scene, having a, a lot of crossover, but by like travel schedules and things like that. That was a point that our friend Sophie Vasquez, like she made when we talked to her about her photography. The like you know, going from pivoting from photographing concerts to photographing the wrestling community wasn't that much of a change based on like so many of the overlapping circumstances. It's so funny you say that because Sophie and I actually met because I was a touring guitarist in this band called Potty Mouth a few years ago. They've since broken up, but Sophie came to a show and uh, was taking photos of the band for her zine. And, uh, I, we just happened to bring up, I don't know how wrestling came up. I think maybe I looked her up on Twitter beforehand and saw like she was tweeting about wrestling and um, we've been friends ever since. And I have been following closely, like as she's, you know, started transitioned from taking photographs of music to taking photographs of wrestling. And I've been kind of there like observing since the beginning being like, this is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think we met in 2017, maybe. I didn't know she used to photograph bands. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Those oh, camps sorry, are, just, are just groups of artists trying to sell enough t-shirts to cover the gas money, right? Exactly, because that's the only way that musicians <laughs> can really make money anymore with like Spotify siphoning all of the money from recordings and um, yeah. like merch and shows. So it's kind of a similar lifestyle of just if you want to make money from music you just have to be on the road all the time or selling slanging merch non-stop and it's really unfortunate because that's just not a sustainable lifestyle for like wrestlers clearly or or musicians to live that way for so long our listeners are predominantly wrestling fans so of course they want to know first and foremost what's your wrestling stories how long have you been watching what got you into wrestling all that i sort of as a child, I my parents would not let me watch wrestling. They would not let me watch MTV. Um, they would barely let me watch TV that was not Nickelodeon. Um, so I most of my wrestling fandom as a kid was absorbed passively by like going over to the homes of the neighborhood kids. And um, there were some neighbors down the street who would watch wrestling, um, mostly WWF at the time. Uh, with their entire family. And when I would go there after school, I, I would sort of passively uh, absorb the content and I always liked it, but there wasn't really a way for me to, to explore it on my own and get like deeply invested because I wasn't allowed to uh, watch it. Um, and it's one of those things where, because it was so repressed, like with like MTV and like wrestling, of course, I was like jumping out of my skin to like get my hands on whatever I could in a typical, uh, small child fashion. I was like, you told me no to this thing. So now that's all I want. But yeah, by the time I kind of had like the freedom to watch what I wanted, um, the, the golden age of wrestling had like 
past a, a little bit. It was like the mid 2000s, things were cooling off. It was less ubiquitous, I think. Um, I don't know. You said it was always on in your dorm room in college for a while, but I don't know. It just kind of felt like it was always ubiquitous to me. Yeah. I, I, maybe, I don't know. There might have been like a moment where it just felt like it wasn't around so much. But yeah, Attitude Era, there were people that I knew who watched it every week. And I felt like I knew what was going on yeah, without and... even really watching it that actively. But it wasn't until 2014, I was in a different band. Um, and the guitarist of our band did music supervision at WWE. But kind of like she was just getting started and worked for some like goon and WWE was like a jerk to everyone but um you know she really made the most out of out of the job and often had to just watch the pay-per-views and watch raw um and tag when they would play like Nickelback or when they would play like the new Slipknot song or whatever <laughs> um so I she asked us my my friend and I to come over and watch Wrestlemania uh, in 2014 with her and that was the year that Seth Rollins cashed in money in the bank at Wrestlemania and as a person who loves spectacle and loves like any sort of entertainment with like high drama, that really spoke to me um, and sort of drew me back into this world. Um, and it's only just expanded from there. Um, obviously, I'm bringing up WWE a lot. That's usually like the intro course uh, to wrestling. But uh, since about 2016 or 2017, I've been a lot more tapped into the indies and also like local wrestling here in New York going to a lot of like no ring bar matches and whatnot. And even more recently than that, um, going to like, you know, wrestling events, like the one Sophie put together at a brewery in the Bronx. So that's sort of my wrestling story. Um, again, I think what drew me in is like, I love forms of entertainment with lots of spectacle that are almost like are intended to reach like a lowest common denominator kind of like audience, like Real Housewives. I watch like The Bachelorette. I just really see a lot of humor in it, but also like love just picking it apart and being like, oh, what's going on behind the scenes? Like, what are the producers doing here? Uh, so like kind of viewing it through a critical lens. And yeah, now it's just like all I read about other, other than music <laughs> pretty much and all I watch. Yeah, I think the humor and the behind the scenes stuff was probably initially what um, made it interesting to me. And yeah, just like lots of passive consumption throughout the years until uh, we were on tour. And from that point, I don't know, at some point you got me into it and we watched, I believe it was Extreme Rules 2017. It was the worst wrestling pay-per-view yeah. ever, but Mike it loved it. It was like one, like, it was like, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton wrestling like in a fun house. It was pre-taped. It was oh, like the they projected like maggots onto the yes. ring. Yes. Yeah. And God uh, awful. Just like <laughs> like campiness in wrestling. A plus great, right? Like we all love Orange Cassidy. We all love like you. I, I read another interview you did where you were raving about how much you love Luigi Primo, right? Like that uh, kind of camp and humor. Relearning that he may be an anti yeah okay yeah so we don't like him anymore but we did for a brief period i bought the t-shirt like 20 minutes before that interview and then the next day i like went on twitter and i was like 
damn it. What am I going to do with this t-shirt? <laughs> Rare Luigi Primo shirt signed by the band Chopper. <laughs> uh, I'm just yeah. going to say, I'm just gonna say that I did not ride the Primo train because we have a regional guy named Mambo Italiano. And I was like, I already have my Italian stereotype favorite wrestler. I'm not switching. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care that he spins so in the ring. I've got my Italian stereotype. I appreciate I had to you're from Pittsburgh, wrestling. right? The the Pittsburghian yes. regional Italian wrestler. <laughs> exactly. We had our we had our West our Rust Belt Italian caricature. <laughs> and it's like I love the camp, but also one of the things when I saw that pay-per-view and watched Raw in, in 2014 is um I again I hadn't been clued into it deeply for a while. And um I saw it was, it was a match. It was AJ Lee and Paige against the Bella Twins. And I didn't know what was going on in in um, women's wrestling, really. And then Paige came out and like made her entrance and had this like cool, like rockin' entrance theme. And I was like, who is this? Like, she looks cool and punk. And like, I got really excited. And I was just like, wow, like, this is really awesome wrestling like things have really changed since I was a kid watching this and that was another thing like getting like pulled into it and getting really excited about like the WWE women's division I ended up I when I played South by Southwest with another band a few years ago I ended up at some like women in wrestling panel which was Stephanie McMahon Triple H and Charlotte talking about like the women's revolution in WWE, um, which I wish I could remember more about it, but it was Triple H being like, yeah, like things have really changed. <laughs> <laughs> and the two most like girl boss born into privileged women in the entire company talking about like, we've made such great strides. Like Charlotte Flair literally in a pink power suit. <laughs> but yeah. And I. It sounds fun. <laughs> do you have any more to add about your wrestling story because i just spoke for a very long time that's all right um so i guess uh yeah i don't know i i was kind of immersed with it in the next like extreme year. rules 2017 yeah that, that was the, that was the night that changed everything <laughs> it was it was Daniel was jeggings honestly um and then when we uh, by the time like two more years had gone by, we were trying to think of like ways we could put, you know, wrestling gimmicks into our music videos and stuff. And it's kind of similar to your friend who worked for the music licensing. We met someone who used to do like promo packages and got him to do a music video for our other band, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did the Hell in a Cell video. Yeah, he did the Hell in a Cell video. Yeah. And so they, they both have... Uh, we were like a, a wrestling faction called the shit mm-hmm. and which, which was basically like making fun of it i'm gonna have to send you this music video from years past that sort of like i wouldn't say it fell into the ether but it was kind of the first time we ever did like an intermingling of music and wrestling was for the other band that we're in together called hellraiser and jobber sort of like it was like the seeds of jobber it, it really was it, it started i started getting all these ideas as we were coming up with a music video concept and uh sort of spun off into its own band <laughs> well so that's the thing we've got a couple of musicians here you're already in popular bands and you decide to get together and record a bunch of songs about wrestling so <laughs> 
on the surface, it seems like, oh, this will just be like a fun goof, right? Like something to do in our spare time. We record these songs, throw them up on Bandcamp. But you're putting out an actual cassette. You're releasing it through Exploding Sound. You're doing press. Like, is this, this is a real band now, right? Quote, unquote, a real band. I think that was the point since the beginning. We wanted we wanted to, you know, like the the concept maybe uh, superficially seems silly, but this, yeah, we, we wanted the songs to be dope from the start. So many bands are inspired by like books and like literary things or movies or um, I don't know. I just feel like music celebrates art of all different mediums. And I feel like music should celebrate wrestling and there should be some celebration of wrestling as like a form of art. Um, in my view, I, I didn't want to do something corny because I, I wanted to like bring this thing that, that I love that I believe is like art and like an unbelievable form of entertainment and also like the root of such like community, like locally and yeah, at a national scale. Um, I wanted to like bring that to music fans and and just also experiment with the humor and injecting sort of wrestling tropes into music, <laughs> sort of as like a, a little like fun uh, social experiment, um, like starting feuds with other bands, for example, uh, and kayfabe. Um, yeah, uh, but also I just wanted to, I don't know, celebrate wrestling from the vantage point of like not like we're gonna be like corny and full camp and like gimmicky but like we're gonna create something good because wrestling is good <laughs> it's like it's like something that is like worth watching and um i don't know valuing as a wonderful form of entertainment it's fascinating yeah and i it, i wouldn't have thought that i would have said that six or seven years ago i guess i got into it very quickly <laughs> It, it sucks you in because I became yeah. like a I became a really diehard fan just in like 2018. So like really not that long ago. But when I went in and I do this just by nature of myself some with some things. But like when I went in on wrestling, I went all in like okay. I did I found yeah. myself like going from like zero to 60 and getting like uh-huh. myself on everything, watching everything that I was out then and then trying to go back and watch the major classics of, of the you know best eras of wrestling. And I if really you have someone, well, especially if you're sharing it with somebody too, because like if you have people who are also fans, it's easier to do that with, right? It's harder to do it when you have a silo. The big thing that kept me from pursuing a wrestling fandom when I was a teenager, when I briefly was into it back in like 1999, was because I didn't know anyone who was into wrestling except for like the douchebags in my high school who were wearing like Austin 316 shirts. And it's like, <laughs> I'm telling everybody like, to suck it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, the second two. It's like I don't know that if we're not friends, and I can't just be like, hey guys, uh, so Monday Night Raw, eh? <laughs> so it, it took finding community within that wrestling to to also you know foster that that fandom more so, and having somebody to like get into it with, I think helps tremendously. That's such a great point, and like it's brought me closer to so many people who I maybe like wouldn't have, I don't know, maybe we would have been friends, but um, we weren't friends until we found this common ground of really liking wrestling. Um, Sometimes it's like people I've met online, actually our guitarist um, who couldn't make it tonight is a huge wrestling fan. And we became friends through Twitter and would occasionally DM 
And um, I invited him to a WrestleMania party I had in 2017. Like we had never met in person and he just showed up at my house and we've been friends ever since. And now we're in a wrestling themed band together. Go figure. Um, but it's really brought me together with a lot of people in that in that same way. Um, Sophie included. Um, learning that Sophie was into wrestling, like immediately I was like, oh, we got to like keep in touch and be friends. <laughs> Oh, it's it's really good to hear that there's others uh podcast hosts who <laughs> only started becoming super immersed in the last five or six years. So I, that makes me oh, feel a lot better. <laughs> there was a huge, huge blow up in the scene in 2018, uh, based on a lot of uh, fans finding their way to wrestling through some like kind of surprising chapters. Like, um, I mean, that was when the winter of 2018 was when the Golden Lovers reunited in New Japan, and that was Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, and like. That brought in a lot of us like queer, like yeah. queer weirdos who were like, oh, wrestling, kind of a gay romance over 10 years. Tell me everything. There were <laughs> a lot of fans who got who got um, pulled in that way. And then just the general wrestling scene during that time was so good. There was so much compelling shit happening. And also independent wrestling was finding a wider audience through distribution models like IWTV, like it was just a perfect storm of opportunity for new fans to to happen. And it, it's, it's growing every year because there's more and more independent wrestling that is getting shared by more mm-hmm. people, not just out there, but like accessible. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the access to it. Cause it's like before, if you didn't know where to look, it was really hard to, to find it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still, there's almost like this ask a punk um, right. feeling um, with wrestling, like, you know, if I weren't like bugging, pestering Sophie being like, hey, like what's going on this weekend with wrestling? There's a chance I I wouldn't know like where to find it if I haven't hadn't actively looked. But now I feel like, you know, so much is changing. Um, I, I think like NJPW becoming uh, a lot more accessible and also just in general, like gaining a lot of popularity was sort of an entryway for people like me to get into the indies because I saw Zack Sabre Jr. wrestle in NJPW and then saw that he was wrestling at a bar down the street from me. And in 2017, I saw um, one of the best friends like wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. in a bar. <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it was Chuck Taylor versus Zack Sabre yeah. Jr. And that put it, that footage is available online. It is a riot to watch. Wait, it's online? Yeah, yeah. I can find the, the, the link is somewhere. I, I'll find it for you. <laughs> oh my God, I'm probably in the background in there somewhere. <laughs> um, That's also where I think I met, or yeah, maybe the first time and maybe last time in person, I met Kath Babadoro, who did the WrestleSplania podcast for a while, which I listened to a lot of um, when it first started up. Yeah, same, because that, again, was like a great, it, I think it was on like episode three or four when I started watching wrestling. And I was like, oh, shit. So like, I'm listening to this basically in real time of like these two women also getting really into wrestling, like that was also a really like fortuitous moment where like a bunch of us will be having new fans while their show was about becoming a new fan yeah and from I there, love there that was, it was of- like a hangout style podcast of like just like two like awesome women just like talking about wrestling um that was really exciting for me and just like ripping on Brock Lesnar and being like he looks like a boiled ham <laughs> 
Well, and without like the pretensions of being like, well, the work rate in this match wasn't quite the blah blah blah. Like so much of wrestling, um, so many, so much of wrestling podcasts and wrestling journalism prior to you know the mid aughts was like so focused on like the trying to make it seem as serious as possible that it was refreshing to have new fans give it a gateway where it was just like we're going to talk talk about how this guy looks like he's made of footballs or like how how like hunky this like you know huge giant bearded person is or like how like you know amazing these women are like we don't have to we don't have to pretend or be or even we don't even have to like you know focus in on the finer points we can talk about what genuinely draws us there whether it's story or character or whatever mm-hmm. we can actually like be ourselves about wrestling that's one of the big things tying in like you said streaming really has changed in a big way in the last three four years where now like any indie show anywhere in america is streaming live for all intents and purposes and on that same note it feels like we've had this switch now from wrestling is a sport to really a large portion of people being like, no, wrestling is an art. Wrestling shouldn't be classified in the same category as MMA and football. It should be in the category as theater and performance art and those sort of things. And the figure skating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the diehards are going to be like, oh, the video game nerds have taken over wrestling. And it's like, yes, they have. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. We're not killing ourselves. And also it means that we can respect it for different ways instead of just the athleticism. We can appreciate the storytelling and the character work and all of the stuff that makes art great. Yeah, there's just so much to love about it. It's like, sure, some people might like latch on to the technique and like the technical aspects of of the matches and or get like really into like the history and I don't know. But um other people might just be like, oh my gosh, this is like the best reality show I've ever seen or like the best like soap opera I've ever seen. A lot of the acting is really good. Yeah. <laughs> the promos. Like shockingly good. <laughs> and like the creativity expressed by like wrestlers, you know, especially in the indies, it's like people are making their own gimmicks and sort of like building this character Um even like we went to a backyard wrestling match in Connecticut when we were filming one of our music videos for the song entrance theme. And it was like these 19 year old kids who had just graduated high school. I think they were on summer break. Um, They're home, all home from college. And they had this like whole like universe and all these storylines going um, and like all these really developed characters. And they were so good, <laughs> not only at acting, but they were really good at wrestling and I was just like wow like when I was 18 I couldn't even remember to like drink water and like couldn't figure out how to like mail a package like I was and and these kids are like building their own like creative wrestling universe it's incredible it like blew my mind they they learned how to fall on a tarp correctly (laughs) I mean Harley and I interviewed um before she was what's her NXT or WWE NXT name Roxanne Perez is it Roxanne Perez or yeah we interviewed um way back before she got signed we interviewed Roxy and uh, Billy Starks both of whom were teenagers at at the like you know working at some of the peak of their career right now as like I think 16 19 respectively something like that 17 19 like these are teenage teenagers and one of whom is now signed by WWE and the other one whom hasn't even graduated high school yet, but is like making like the PWI list and like getting attention nationally. It's like, how do, how do you do that as a teenager? I didn't know 
anything as a teenager. Not <laughs> dedicate anything of my life to anything as a as a sixteen year old. And yet, like, you know, I think they just you know find a calling and they stuck with the training and they're just they're they're taking that as far as they can go. And I guess it's you know with like it feels like more of a phenomenon for women's wrestling in the states, but for women's wrestling in other places like you know say Japan, it's it's not at all unusual to have like a 13 or 14 year old completely dedicated to wrestling. But I think it's something that we just don't have as much of a mindset geared towards for women's wrestling in like a Western mindset. So yeah, yeah. it's incredible what, what they're able to do. <laughs> yeah. I have noticed that. And it, it's something I didn't realize at first about wrestling in Japan because NJPW was just like, it, it was not like intergender wrestling. Um, but then when I started looking into it, I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, there's like all of these incredible promotions. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Japan, AKA after I graduated library school, I drained my bank account and took myself there. <laughs> um, and uh, as like a graduation present, but I found this like DDT bar um for the wrestling promotion ddt and i went there and it was like all of the wrestlers from ddt and all of these like awesome women wrestlers who i just i hadn't really known about before and it kind of like opened up that world for me um so that was definitely an interesting defining moment and trying to communicate with them through like google translate on my phone (laughs) i just decided okay i didn't know that you had an mlis you have your yeah so does he yeah same (laughs) M's a librarian she's she's a working librarian and a ddt fan right yeah 11 plus years and a a big tjpw specifically i love the the um, women's wrestling offshoot of ddt tokyo joshi pro is like one of my favorite promotions they are great that's so funny Okay, so Jobber officially starts because <laughs> Kate's on tour with Potty Mouth, listening to Renee Paquette's podcast, thinking about wrestling. You start writing entrance themes for fictional wrestlers, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like a songwriting exercise because I I have some trouble writing lyrics um, or just like topics for lyrics. And I found myself watching so much wrestling. I was like, well, why don't I write about something I I really really like <laughs> and also um Mike actually told me about a songwriting exercise he did where he would make fictional soundtracks um and maybe you should explain this no he, that, that you basically nailed he it. would make Just fictional like, soundtracks in like t- song titles and then write the songs yeah, around like, this like fictional soundtrack um sometimes i just i have like a bank of song titles that i haven't used yet and i have a list of like bands where i'd like i'd like to write a song that sounds like this band or this band and then you know match them up and um imagine that they're on the soundtrack of like I don't know, Angus 2 or Mallrats 2, <laughs> some like mid 90s, you know, teen movie or post college movie, you know, whatever the sequel to that would sound like. <laughs> what, that's what, a tough, what, that, that's a tough bar because the Mallrats soundtrack slaps. <laughs> yeah. So what would this, the sequel soundtrack sound like? You know, uh, it's got to be better than a Clerks 2 soundtrack. I have no interest in seeing the new Clerks sequel. Just throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, so I sort of took Mike's lead and I was like, well, maybe I should do like an actual exercise when I'm writing songs to like 
see how that informs the tone and the, the structure and, and the lyrics. Uh, so I actually started doing it by just thinking of different like wrestling wrestlers and with ridiculous gimmicks in my head. Um, like, oh, this is going to not, this does not age well. But um, I always used to joke with my friend about like a wrestler who's like white knight feminist man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we would come up with these stupid ideas for like wrestling gimmicks that like wwe would like probably deploy to like you know um something like how they like turned Sami Zayn basically into like fidel castro light or something um but i would come up with these stupid wrestlers and gimmicks in my head and then i um, just be like what would their entrance music sound like uh so i started writing the songs that way and then they all took on a life of their own and sort of diverged from the original concept in some way or I would get an inkling I would be like oh well like this thing happened at work that I'm really really annoyed about that's like connected to this broader theme and I'm just gonna write a song about like complacency in the tech industry um but the actual songs and like the way they sound were very much informed by mostly 90s wrestling themes and like thinking back to like attitude era wrestlers things like okay so it's a couple years later you have a band now (laughs) if you could write an entrance theme for any wrestler who would it be oh this is the best question come on you guys it's gotta be john moxley no no i i need a (laughs) minute to think about this but i'll let you answer separately so i can think about it there's my answer (laughs) i i I, I don't know wild thing i think is kind of a weak entrance personally i want to write like a kick-ass like very like sugary like nine like late 90s kind of grunge like that dog or something theme for becca <laughs> right on Ooh, nice she would love it she has that yeah. like international pop star thing going on um and also makes music herself so she probably wants to make her own theme but i would do so- something that sounds like it would be on like a teen movie soundtrack from 1999 jobber featuring becca so she has like guest vocals on the track she gets a verse yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, what would 11 Things I Hate About You soundtrack sound like? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was, maybe that's the one. That's the one right there. Also, I, like like, I remember it being like 10 Things I Like About You. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be the theme. Sure. <laughs> that works, too. <laughs> I'm also thinking, like, who who else has, like, this vibe? Like, I would really want to write a, an entrance theme for them. Sazzy Boatwright already has a great entrance. So I, I guess I was thinking about this the wrong way. I'm like, whose entrance songs do I think are like kind of lame who need better ones? I don't think it's <laughs> the wrong way to think about it, honestly, though, because like, I agree with you. I, well, I think that his entrance is impactful just by nature of him and the way the crowd reacts. Like, I don't think Wild Thing is that particularly compelling for that purpose. Yeah, it doesn't have the same like intriguing bite that say, like Jane does for Orange Cassidy because like there is that pop cult there's like reference upon reference there it works in so many layers for Orange Cassidy that it's like the perfect song whereas Wild Thing just feels like oh okay uh, yeah and I home. prefer I prefer original themes that's like I guess as a musician I'm like hungry for entrance themes that I actually enjoy listening to um and I 
<clears throat> no shade or no I'm gonna shade AEW whoever does their entrance themes like I don't know I don't know how I'm feeling I did I the Cody Rhodes one is so singable and like like I appreciate it I do like you know Dr. Britt Baker's there's a few that are that are good but I don't know like there's something about Jim Johnston like the old composer of like the WWE entrances I think maybe up until like 2014 or 15 that are just so memorable and really like distinct um, and aligned with whatever wrestler that they were, you know, writing for. It really captured their essence, like the Trish Stratus entrance theme I was just listening to before um, we hopped on this, this call. Uh, I was just like, this is so good and memorable. And like Lil' Kim is on it. <laughs> or even some of those like kind of goofy ones. For the WCW like ripoff, yeah. like DDT oh, yeah. self high five, which is just smells like teen spirit with like cords rearranged. Yes, those are those are great. Yeah, those are my favorites. The fake, the fake even flow. Was that Raven? Uh Raven. I thought Raven was come as you are. The fake come as you are. Raven had a fake Raven definitely had a fake grunge theme. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because- he had fake come as you are for sure. I have to I have to look that up who had the fake even flow, but it was really good. <laughs> All right, let's say YouTuber wrestlers. What would your entrance theme be? I've thought about this so much. Like a song that exists. It could be it could be your own, you know, your fake uh Santa Monica by Everclear <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> or it could be Orange Cassidy style where you take like a you take like a famous pop song. Oh my god, I have no idea. That's 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 a huge question. You gotta. I would it to... depends. Can I choose a face theme and a heel? Yes. Do you start face or do you start heel? Do you debut as the plucky like baby face and then you turn heel like six months in, or what's the trip? Tri- what's our it's trajectory like a slow here? Transition. It's not like you know what they did with, I think Alexa Bliss, where they like reformatted her existing entrance theme to adapt to like her turning heel however like a year year and a half after being in nxt it's like a slow burn it's like it's like i'm a face for like years and have an established entrance theme and then i at the heel turn and it's like a completely different flipping of the switch okay my face theme just because it's a song i like i could see myself like running out to the ring like super super hype to this song is levels by avici you love levels by avici <laughs> i don't know it's like well, it's maybe one of the dumbest songs but i could just see it being like it almost reminds me of um like brie bella's entrance theme like brie bella, um from that era mm-hmm. um and then the heel theme I really want to say walk by Pantera, but I cannot endorse Pantera. You know, that's, it's really weird. I I, It's exactly the song. I I could not endorse Pantera. No, we can't. Yeah. Aside from. One step closer by Linkin Park. (laughs) Aside from the endorsement angle, that, that riff is so good for, for just walking into a room. (laughs) Okay. So we do, you do, like we said, you rip it off so that you're not endorsing them, but everybody's like, is this. Kind of sounds like a walk. Kind of sounds like a, a dime bag Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Except one note is like a half, just a half step off. <laughs> what would yours be, Mike? I was gonna say walk, but oh my uh, gosh, you can't say that now. <laughs> well, it's, it's literally the one I was thinking of right before you said it. Um, that, that that's the entrance theme for your stable. Yeah, the the job or stable. 
probably i don't know like probably some like metallica riff or megadeth riff i don't know so, something that just like has a really nice huge riff <laughs> i can't think of anything i do enjoy yeah, you want like that bret hart entrance right where like it starts off with the, the guitars and you're like yes this guy yeah or even like stone cold like chugging or like any corn song like like blind would be cool i don't know i i have a lot of love for new metal like having revisited a lot in the past couple of years um not because of the woodstock 99 documentary disclaimer i just got really into corn and slipknot again um so i don't know maybe my heel theme would be like a like duality by slipknot or like a ripoff with inverted chord structures yeah something along those lines that captures that energy like lita had such a cool like badass like new metal kind of entrance <laughs> i love the fdr i theme music it's a direct ripoff of like midnight express and like or, like early 90s all japan but like i love i love their entrance music um, and they did the same thing with Yuta's new music. They gave him like very, very like late 90s, early 2000s inspired New Japan, which is like perfectly my jam too. So like sometimes when they're doing things that are like direct revolves, it still works really, really well. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I notice when there's like an entrance with a lot of fanfare around it on AEW, like the, the entrance theme typically delivers. I don't know what's going on over at WWE with those entrance themes, but man. <laughs> you mean just like the quality since like yeah. three, three, four years ago has gone down. Yeah. This is a vague memory, but I, I used to do like best and worst. I still do best and worst songs in the year lists. And I'm pretty sure my worst song of 2000 was Pie by The Rock. <laughs> and so I, I think I need to revisit that one because I might feel differently about it today. How come I don't know that you will? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that song. How is that possible? Uh, I feel like I've covered all of like the and I haven't heard the Hulk band. I feel like I'm doing a bad job of being in a wrestling band. I think I heard (laughs) I heard it on the radio, honestly. And it's it's pretty much just like the whole thing is uh euphemisms, if I'm not mistaken. I'm a huge fan of the movie No Holds Barred, which is why there is a song on our EP called right. No Holds Barred, which had which has actually nothing to do with the movie. Um, but I had just seen the movie um, and wanted to celebrate it. It's genius masterpiece uh, somehow. I just watched it for the first time ever, like two weeks ago. For again, for this bonus VIP podcast that we're doing, because it was in. It was out there, right? I, when it came out, I was like two. So I never saw it then. And then my entirety of my teens, my 20s, I had taste. And I was like, I'm not watching that. It looks like garbage. Yeah. And now at the ripe old age of 37, I'm like, I have to watch this. This looks like garbage. Now's the time. <laughs> it looks like garbage. <laughs> it, having taste is no fun at all. Like you got to release that. But it was so great. I mean, like the bar scene in that movie, it's like maybe one of my favorite bar scenes in a movie ever. Like I've never seen anything like that. And also when he's riding around in a limo and like flying around and like someone's like shooting at the door, but the door is steel. There's just so much in that movie that's just like, what is going on? Like if only they produced our like the Marine, like the John Cena movie 
was that fun to watch. I would be watching all the WWE movies now if they were like No Holds Barred, but alas. The review I found of No Holds Barred from the time called it, quote, charmless, stupid, and badly made. Give it to me. (laughs) Love it. That sounds great. What's wrong with that? (laughs) Please put that on my tombstone. The EP comes out this Friday from Exploding Sound Records. Cassettes are available through them and through your Bandcamp. The full album is going to be available. You can stream it through Bandcamp or through Spotify. You can order a cassette like I just said. I already did. I got the email right before we started recording saying it's on its way. Just nice to know. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And then you got shows coming up in East Haven, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia, correct? Yes, indeed. Have you had the official release party yet or is that coming up? That's is that the one in Brooklyn? So we're doing kind of like a three different release shows, one in our home state, which is Connecticut, one in Brooklyn, and then one in Philly, because in Philly, we're able to announce that we are going to be having wrestling at our show, which is really exciting. Um, I believe it's going to be Calix and Shane McCoy wrestling at our release show so that's a lot of fun shane uh, was the very first guest ever on this podcast really wow that's very first awesome. person we ever interviewed uh, that's awesome yeah. yeah that's really awesome i'm so excited for that one uh unfortunately i can't say much about re- wrestling at any of the other shows just because of like state laws so zipping, yeah, so it. zipping it don't worry about that fights may or may not break out depending on yeah, they will circumstances. be circumstances. They do. <laughs> and uh, the entirely spontaneous members of the crowd. We can't, that can't be helped. It's unplanned. Uh, you know how these concerts chat, you know, like these, these crazy musicians and all their crazy Pump music shows, fans, Yeah. Who hasn't been to a mosh pit where somebody threw a missile drop kick? Yeah. Who hasn't been in a mosh pit where someone dressed as like, I don't know, like a frog, like, or like an ant comes out and just starts fighting with another person dressed like, I don't know, like an ant. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy pulling a Nintendo Switch, he just starts drop kicking people. Yeah, un- unbelievable <laughs> how that happens at shows in Brooklyn all the time. Perilous out here. <laughs> okay, so it's jobber.bandcamp.com. You're on Twitter at Jobber the Band. That's a Jobber the Band, that is us. Also, go look up your other band, Hellraiser, R-A-Z-O-R. Uh, yeah, yeah, Razor, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Yes, named after Razor Ramon, I assume. Of course. <laughs> it was going to be Hall Razor, like Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and you just changed one letter. <laughs> Lost opportunity. Wow, real missed opportunity. Maybe that's the name of the next Hellraiser album. <laughs> <laughs> Credited to Harley, of course. Yeah. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, it's only $1 or $5 a month. $1 gets you a weekly newsletter. $5 gets you bonus podcasts, gets you the Grid and Glitter archive. We're uploading every Saturday old episodes of Grid and Glitter from season one, the very early days of this podcast, the formative days, one might argue. 
you get the, all that whole lot more for just five dollars a month and we take your money it comes with a little bit of a podcasting fees and then the rest of it goes to supporting independent wrestling promotions like enjoy wrestling like pro wrestling vibe like wrestlers lab like cfu your money helps us help them create an infrastructure for independent women's wrestling that's what we love that's what we care about on that note next week on the show we will be talking to two of the stars of wow superheroes women of wrestling to the women of wrestling two of their superheroes will be chatting with me and emily fear next week right here